You're listening to another inspiring teaching from Devonport Church of Christ, Tasmania, Australia. For more information about our church, please log on to www.devonportcoc.com.au. What a day. What a day to bring praise to Him, to honour God's name. Well, welcome everyone. For those who don't know me, my name's Zach, and I'm currently interning here at Devonport Christian Church of Christ. Now, over the past month, we've been going through a series called One Thing. One Thing. In the Bible, there are a total of seven of these one things that God refers to. We have been covering five of them here in this series. We've looked at one thing I ask. We've looked at one thing to prioritize. We've looked at one thing we need, and we've looked at one thing to believe. Now today, I get the privilege of finishing off this series with one thing to know. Now, in order to learn what this one thing to know is, we need to dive into John 9. Now, I'm going to be reading from verse 1 just to apply some context to the reading, whereas your slip will start at verse 13. And this is what it says. As he went along... He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, He spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and placed it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man called Jesus made some mud and placed it on my eyes. He told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. But others, then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak 
for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged <clears throat> anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing, one thing I do know, one thing to know. I was blind, but now I see. We were all blind. The man in this chapter was physically blind. He was blind from birth. He had never witnessed the world around him, never seen the green grass, never seen the trees, never even seen his own parents' face. But he wasn't the only one blind in this chapter. The man might have been physically blind, but the Pharisees were spiritually blind. The man might not have been able to see the physical world around him but the pharisees missed out on the spiritual world and because of this they could not see that jesus was the messiah that they were looking for and because of this they deemed him nothing more than a sinner we were all blind at some point spiritually we still are to a capacity and the reason for this is sin we have all sinned we've all made mistakes We've all done wrong, stumbled, fallen. And this has caused us to lose sight of the truth. See, the Pharisees couldn't see who Jesus really was because they were sinners who depended too much on the physical world. They were too connected to the physical world. They were too concerned about worldly matters like keeping to the Sabbath. They were too focused on God's worldly laws that they missed out on God's spiritual grace. They were too focused on his laws, as important as they are, they still missed out on Jesus' mighty grace. Their arrogance and pridefulness blinded them just the same way as it can blind us. See, the, Pharise oh, the Pharisees were also comfortable with where they were at, Right? Because they were considered righteous and holy by God. They were God's Jewish leaders. Therefore, this would have given them a much better, more comfortable, luxurious lifestyle than that of the normal man. And as we all know, comfort is quite a nice thing. It really is. But comfort, being comfortable, is probably one of the most dangerous places you could stay, especially as a Christian. It's all right to have moments of comfort. We all need it to some degree. But we shouldn't stay in such a place. The Bible uses the term lukewarm. And it says in Revelations 3.16, So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. See, God can't work in someone who is lukewarm or comfortable. Why? Because by being in such a place, they refuse to move. They refuse to step out. They don't want to leave their comfort. They have no conviction, no logical reason to leave such a place. It's like when you wake up in the morning, right? You wake up, it's a cold, rainy day, it's miserable outside. You remember all the things you have to do that day, 
and it's just all draining. Then you remember you're still in bed. It's warm. It's cozy. Why not just rest a little longer? Why not just draw the covers over me for a bit longer? Rest my eyes. And as you do that, you tend to fall back to sleep. And you rest longer than what you need. Because comfort is a very nice place. But by living in such high comfort, these Pharisees became content with their position. They became complacent. They became lazy. So when Jesus arrives and begins flipping everything on them, begins changing things, begins challenging their faith, challenging their beliefs, and challenging their hearts, and disturbs their luxurious lifestyle, you can sort of see why, why they had such a hostility towards him. Because due to their comfort and, to the, their desi- and their desire to live more worldly, they became blinded spiritually. I wonder who here needs to remove themselves more from their comfort, from their own comfort. Step out for God. Be willing to make the first step. To reach out to him. To convict yourself to the challenges ahead. Too often we expect God to make the first move. We believe that he will work his miracle first and then our strength will be and then our faith will be strengthened. But in reality, God is waiting for you to reach out to him, for you to step out for him. And by doing so, he will strengthen you, he will work through you, and he will give you victory over the challenges ahead. Don't allow the world to blind you from stepping out in faith, from pursuing God with all you have. Yes, we were all blind spiritually. However, let's be thankful that that one thing does not end there. The blind man doesn't say, I was blind and I'm still blind. But rather he says, I was blind, but now I see. Christ has given us sight. Jesus didn't leave the blind man in his state of blindness. He didn't look the other way. He didn't see him down the street and then turn the opposite way, turn his head away from this man, like we do to so many of our own brothers and sisters. But rather, he saw the man, he went to the man, and using mud, he healed the man's physical sight. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 Jesus loves us too much to leave us where we're at. He loves you too much to leave you where you're at. So he came down as a man. He lowered himself to our level because he knew we could never reach his. He knew we could never reach his in our own strength. And so he lowered himself. He died and sacrificed himself on a cross for our sins. And by doing so, he raised us up. He raised us up so that we might not have to suffer the punishments we deserve. And because of his sacrifice, 
we can now see the truth that Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is the Messiah. He is Lord over all. You see, Jesus didn't die after we repented. He didn't die after we believed in him. He didn't die after we were made children of God. No, he died before we asked for forgiveness. He died before we followed him, before we were redeemed, before we even loved him or acknowledged him. He died while we were still sinners, while we were still the enemy of God. Now, it's one thing to help your enemy. It's a whole other thing to sacrifice everything and die for them. Why would Jesus do such a thing? Why? Because of love. Because he is love. Because no matter what you do or how far you feel you have fallen, I tell you what, it is never enough. It is never enough to stop God from loving you. You may feel like you've fallen too far, like you're unredeemable, like there's no way in all possibility that God could ever bring me back, that I'm unsavable. Well, listen to this. There was a man who would go from town to town, city to city, arresting, persecuting, and murdering innocent Christians because of their faith. This man's name was Saul. And on his trip to Damascus, on the road to Damascus, Jesus Christ came down to Saul, and the sheer glory and holiness of Christ himself blinded Saul at an instant. And Saul could not see. And Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul asked, who is this, Lord? And Jesus replies, it is I, Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And Jesus told Saul what he had to do to restore his sight. And Saul went, and he did what he was told. But his physical sight wasn't the only thing restored to him. His spiritual sight was also restored. See, Jesus blinded him physically, disconnected him physically to restore him spiritually, to remind him spiritually of the truths of Christ. You may feel like you've let God down. You may feel like you've just you've let him down. You want to know something crazy? You could never let God down. You could never let him down. Why? You were never holding him up in the first place. That would be foolish. We never held God up in the first place. He holds us up. He has raised us up. And he will never, ever let you down. It is for this reason that we can now spiritually see the truth of Christ. We are no longer blinded to him. He paid our debts in full, 100%, and has given us the spiritual glasses, I like to think of it, spiritual glasses to see his truth. Now, it's your job to keep those glasses. It's your job to keep them close, to not lose them. Because though we can now see the truth, we can still be blinded again by the world and by sin. As we are still human and we are still flawed, and on this earth, we are not perfect. Therefore, hold on to God's gift of spiritual sight 
and remind yourselves daily of the truths he has shown you. Dive into his word. It is his living, breathing truth. It is his own word. Use it. Take advantage of it. Remind yourselves of Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Remind yourselves of Romans 8.31. If God before us, who can stand against us? Remind yourselves of John 16.33. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I, the Lord, have overcome the world. Remind yourselves of these verses and other verses in the Bible so that you may always be encouraged, so that you may always be strengthened by them. Do not allow the devil to lie to you. Do not allow sin to cripple and defeat you. I want you to know the devil doesn't win when you stumble. Sin doesn't win when you trip over it. Sin only wins when you fall and don't get back up. The devil only celebrates when you refuse to get back up, when you disconnect yourself from God, when you separate, when you separate yourself from him, and when you start believing his lie. But if you endure, if you get back up, and if you keep loving God, there is no power the devil has that could stop you. There is no power that the devil could muster in all of existence that could ever break that bond. The devil is nothing when you're connected with Christ. The only fathomable way that the devil could break this is by tricking you into letting go. That's the only way. The devil has no power against you. Nothing to hold you by your chains are broken. You've been set free. Christ has broken those chains. If we were to compare them, the devil is like a grain of sand and God is the Sahara Desert. Now, Even more so, the devil is like an atom, like an electron, the smallest thing you can think of. And the Lord Almighty is the infinite universe, bounding in all of its grace and majesty. The devil is nothing compared to Christ. Sin is temporary, God is eternal forever. Amen. Be encouraged. Stand strong. Fight with a faith like no other. My last point for you today is this. Spiritual blindness is worse than physical blindness. As we come back to John 9, as we've learned, we encounter two types of blindness. A physical one from the blind man, but also a spiritual one from the Pharisees. Now, rhetorically speaking, if you had to be blinded either spiritually or physically, which would you choose? I feel like I know what a lot of people here would choose today because what I'm really asking you is would you rather be blinded temporarily or would you rather be blinded for eternity? Would you rather be in darkness for a short while or spend eternity in pitch darkness away from God and his agape love? Because the truth is those Pharisees in the text needed healing more than that blind man did because the Pharisees had their hearts closed off to God they had their hearts closed off to Jesus and therefore Jesus couldn't work through them Jesus couldn't restore their sight they were blinded to him they were blinded from the truth but the blind man's heart was open and therefore Christ healed him physically but then later on the text it is revealed that Jesus reveals to this man that he is the son 
of man. And I tell you what, that man went away with more sight than those Pharisees could ever imagine. Now I'm going to be completely honest with you all today. I was not keen for this sermon. Why? Because, well, for one, I couldn't figure out how I was going to deliver it. I didn't know what, I was, what was I going to say. How was I going to do it? I was so worried and stressed over it. I was worried that what if what I say gets rejected? What if I stumble, make a mistake? What if I just completely shut down? I had those fears in my heart. I was so concerned about small, worldly things that I forgot the real reason I chose to do this. It wasn't until just last Tuesday. I was running late for an appointment. I couldn't find what I needed for that appointment. And on top of that, I had the sermon in the back of my mind playing on my thoughts. What was I going to say? What was I going to do? You're not good enough to do this. You can't do this. Devil playing his little tricks on me. And I was stressed. I was worried. And most of all, I was frustrated. However, after my appointment, I decided to go for a little drive. I ended up parking you know, at the bluff at the top of the lighthouse area, that car park. And I went out, and I went for a walk down, I went to the lookout, and I went onto the rocks. And I remember just standing there. I just stood there. I stopped. I closed my eyes. I could hear the birds chirping, the breeze blowing, hear the waves crashing, smell the fresh air. I took a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And it was at this moment I heard, I heard a voice say to me, what are you doing? My child, why do you worry over such little things? Why are you worrying over nothing? And it was at this moment that my stresses, my worries, and my frustrations just melted away. I stopped stressing. I stopped thinking. I stopped making a deal of, be, of small, worldly issues. And it was at this moment I remembered who it was I was doing this sermon for. So I spoke to him, and I asked him, what do you want me to say, Lord? What are your words, not mine? And this realization came over to me, and which I believe is wholeheartedly from God. And this is why I felt, and this is what it was. I had to open, I had to close my eyes physically to open them spiritually. I had to close my eyes physically to open them spiritually, disconnect myself from the physical world so that I could open up to God's world. And it wasn't until I removed myself from these worldly issues that my eyes were open to spiritual truths. And in order for me to do that, I had to find a place where I could just go and close off the world around me. And that for me was out in God's nature, surrounded by What's your place? Where can you go that shuts off the physical? Is it your room? A quiet place? Maybe out in nature like me? Perhaps listening to some worship, whatever it is. We all need to find that space where we can just go, close our eyes, 
and just close off the world around us so that we can open up to God's world because God's world is for eternity. God's world is perfect. God's world is love. And while we now have our spiritual sight, now our spiritual sight might be restored. We still need to pray for Jesus to open the eyes of those who still don't see. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for your wife. Pray for your husband. Pray for your children, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. Pray for that cousin. Pray for your friend. Pray for that neighbor you don't so much like. Pray for that stranger down the street you just met who you know needs Jesus in their lives. Pray for them. Pray for them. Ask God, open their eyes spiritually. Let them see your truths, your love. There are people who pray for decades, decades, for someone's eyes to be open. And after decades, their prayers are answered. Are you willing to do the same? Are you in it for the long run? Are you willing to take that extra mile for Jesus? Before we head off into our weeks, I want to finish off with just one question. It's simply one for you to reflect on and maybe apply to your life. My question is this. What still blinds you? What is still blinding you? What still holds you back from seeing completely the truth of Christ? Is it unforgiveness for someone or unforgiveness for yourself? Is it an idol, your car perhaps, a house, your income, your favorite sports team, maybe even your family? As important as family is, they don't come before God. God is number one. Maybe there's sin that you haven't let go of. We all do still have some spiritual blindness within our lives. Otherwise, we would be perfect, and otherwise, we wouldn't have to worry about stumbling over sin. But by actively asking ourselves, what do I need to let go of? Or what do I need to do to be all Christ desires me to be? Where do I need to go? Jesus. What do I need to reveal? What does he need to reveal to me for me to apply to my life? What still blinds you? What still blinds me?